Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Psalm 118, 24 to 29. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament reading comes from chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, verses 19 through 29. Listen for the word of God through the Spirit as it comes to you here now in this place. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of nails in his hands, or put my finger in the mark of those nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was gathered there with him. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of the Lord. Over the past eight months, it's been my privilege and honor to go on a journey of faith with our incredibly smart, funny, sometimes goofy, 
Always Talented Eighth Graders as part of our 2019 confirmation class. Together we have laughed, prayed, gone on a retreat together, journaled, discussed, and explored what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ as well as a member of this church. Today, we as a congregation welcome these nine newest members into the life of Church Press, the life of this congregation, as well as the mission and service of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I told them Wednesday at their confirmation banquet, this is not the end of your journey. In some ways, your understanding and your commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ is only just beginning. Or, as Dr. Seuss would put it, oh, the places you'll go. On this post-death, post-resurrection Sunday, I think it's important for all of us to ask, where is the gospel of Jesus Christ leading us? For some of us, it might be simply to come back here to church every Sunday, faithfully committed followers. For others, or even the same folks on other Sundays, it may lead forth from this place to places beyond these walls and into the community. Followers of Jesus Christ have wondered where does this path lead ever since some fishermen dropped their nets on the shores of Galilee. The gospel writers have taken us on a journey from Mary's womb and into the tomb of Jesus, describing everything from the miraculous to the mundane in the life and ministry of this Jesus of Nazareth. Now, we find his followers gathered in a room, wondering what was left of the good news at the, after the empire brutally executed their beloved leader. They are scared that they too might end up in a tomb, and so they've locked and hidden themselves away. Surely they knew that this was the end game. But is this really the way the story ends? Do all roads really lead to Rome and death by execution? Growing up, I remember reading these stories of scared disciples, other persecutions in the Bible. And I always wondered, what would it be like to be scared, to feel like I need to hide away? Sure, I had played hide-and-seek as a kid, but I had the fortune, fortune to, to live in a home where I felt safe, I felt secure. That all changed on a day when I was working at my first job, not much older than these eighth graders here, at a snowball shop called Nolens, translated New Orleans, but they say Nolens. And they had a goofy gator on the front, and I had to wear a goofy t-shirt and serve snow cones. Yet it was April, and it hadn't warmed up yet. Sound familiar? And there were no customers when my manager and I, just the two of us in the store, did something she never does, turn on the radio. And over the radio, we heard about a high school called Columbine. 
and the violence and the bloodshed there. It rocked my world. In this post-9-11, post-Christchurch world, many of us have now tasted the fear of the disciples. We now know, not only in our heads, but also in our hearts, that no place is safe, not even a place of worship, be it a synagogue, mosque, or church. Like the disciples, we too live in a post-death and also post-resurrection world, finding ourselves fearful, wanting to hide away in a room, perhaps still waiting on the living presence of Christ. And it is here, here in this hidden, fearful place where we are most vulnerable, that Jesus came and stood and said, Peace be with you. And he showed his hands and he showed his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. It's a beautiful image, this risen Christ meeting them in this most vulnerable place. And yet something is a little strange to me. Why would he show them his wounds? Perhaps this was a crisis of mistaken identity, that Jesus needed to prove that he really was Jesus and not some sort of imposter. And yet I wonder if something more powerful is going on. That by showing his wounds, these marks of death, he's showing that the worst the enemy could do was not enough to keep him from the grave. It reminds me of a poem by Maya Angelou, Still I Rise. She says, you may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I rise. The disciples rejoice because, yes, this truly is their leader, and yes, the empire did its worst, and still he rose. Not to avenge his death, lest fear turn into hate, but to show that we have nothing to fear, that there is a love that endures forever, as the psalmist cries out. And yet, there was one who was not there, who did not see these marks of death, who was not there to witness the triumph of the resurrection. And he did not believe. And yet Thomas, the doubter, seen as a moniker, kind of as an insult, still was moved to join his brothers and sisters in that room a week later. He showed up and joined the gathering. Perhaps author and theologian Frederick Beatner was thinking about Thomas when he said, if you don't have any doubts, then you are either kidding yourself or you're asleep. <clears throat> doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep us awake and moving. <coughs> These doubts are like ants in our pants. Thomas is awake and he's moving. He's joining his companions who did believe in the hopes that maybe he too might witness something. And Jesus, the one who told stories of a God who sought out the lost sheep, who the lost son, the lost child, 
the least of these, this same Jesus seeks out Thomas and says, peace be with you, inviting him to touch the very marks of death on his risen body. Now, death is a troubling thing. Our culture has demonized death, from the walking dead to the white walkers. We don't need TV to remind us of the awfulness of death. And yet Jesus, risen from the grave, is not some zombie that's come back from the grave to terrorize us, nor is he an avenger returning to avenge those who have harmed him or his followers. No, there's something else going on here. Herein lies the power of the resurrection that John hinted at at the very beginning of his gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is embodying these words as a dead man risen from the grave. I wonder what the dead have to say to us. I think of those who are lost in Sri Lanka in the bombings of the church, those who were lost in the bombings in New Zealand at Christchurch and in the mosque. I think of those who were killed in the synagogue this weekend. I think of the ongoing airstrikes in Yemen, particularly those that have hit hospitals and killed children. I think of all this death and destruction because it's in the news. It's all around us. And I believe now more than ever that the answer is not more guns or more war. I don't see the victims rising up from the grave saying more death, more destruction, revenge. No. I instead see them, their wounds and all, rising up and saying peace be with you. The, the world needs more peace. It needs peace from our 8th graders, peace from their parents, peace from all of us, whether we have experienced violence directly or indirectly. And not just any peace, but the peace that surpasses all understanding, the love that endures forever. And we receive this peace from Jesus. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. That's us. That's everyone who came after the risen Christ. After Christ ascends, we do not see the risen Christ anymore. This world is passing away. The disciples have gone. Mary Magdalene and all the women. Many saints of the church have passed on before, before us. And many have never seen the risen one. And so Jesus gives us one more gift besides peace. Jesus also gives us the very breath of life. Just as God breathed into Adam and made this first human a living creature, so Jesus now breathes on his disciple, breathes into us, that we might, too, have new life. 
and be resurrected from our sin, from our shame, from very death itself. May we continue to practice this resurrection, living as Christ in our midst. May we continue to prod and poke and find our way into belief, if only for a moment. Maybe we'll dance with ants in our pants, with those doubts that kind of nag at us. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is all about. A picture is worth a thousand words. A miracle is worth a thousand lifetimes. As we witness this miracle of the risen one, as we witness today's miracle, that these nine eighth graders are now joining the church, I wonder, what will they teach us about the gospel of Jesus Christ? How might we reach out and welcome new people, not, these young, not just these young ones, but any and all people, into the life of the church, into the light of our lives? How might we be attentive to the dead and hear their cry, peace be with you? In closing, one of my favorite artists, Nako in Medicine for the People, sings it this way. Well, if I could give you my people, yeah, well, I, a piece of my peace will be with you always. If I could give you my people, a piece of my peace will be with you always. Jesus leaves behind a breath, a piece of his peace, and it will be with us always. As we gather in this room today, seeking God's living presence, the breathing Jesus, we are blessed with Christ's breath and Christ's peace. May Jesus the Christ breathe into you a piece of this peace, this day and every day, that you might continue on this journey of faith, not always seeing, maybe not even always believing, but faithfully following the path set forth by Jesus, his disciples, and the women that all proclaimed the hope, the love, and the peace of the risen one. Hallelujah. Amen. And let us continue on in a spirit of prayer. Let us pray. You who are our strength, you who are our salvation, you who are our sanctuary, you who are our foundation, our beginning, our end, our fulfillment, to you, risen Lord, we bring our prayers this day. Our God and our gladness, we still bask in the joy of your Easter morn. We come fully alive and fully transparent to you. We have known your presence and we have doubted it. We have known fear and joy and pain and peace. Through it all, we confess what we know for sure. Your steadfast love wraps us up and endures forever. Oh God, your world is beginning to bloom full of color and new life and energy, and we are delighted to behold the landscape coming to life again. For this gift of creation, we give thanks. The church is in bloom this Confirmation Sunday, and we feel both wonder and pride for these nine marvelous students of faith, these students of life. 
Help us take seriously our responsibility to them, for we are accountable to live our faith with integrity and out in the open and inclusive faith that invites them to join in no matter where they are on this journey. Let us be messengers of the gospel to them, with them, and for the world. For these young people named and claimed today in this service who come with both uncertainty and conviction, and for all who have nurtured them from their baptisms, we hold them in our hearts in prayer. Let this congregation be ever alive in how we live our faith, a faith very much in bloom no matter what the season. We see your world today in the faces of the hungry, the lonely, the marginalized, the forgotten, and the faithless. There are soldiers and refugees, lawmakers and lawbreakers, stockholders and those holding grief in their hands and in their hearts. Couples are making up and breaking up, dealing with issues, opinions, challenge, and change. There are people mourning the loss of loved ones in tragic terrorist attacks and those who are searching to root out evil before it can be manifest in terrible acts. You see those whose lives are strewn about the land after tornadoes and those who are coping with the power of water rising in their communities. Some have died. Some have lost their way in life. You see, with compassion, you care. You never fail to love with concern and support. Join our hands together to help those who suffer. Where we are complacent or neglectful or oblivious, turn us to see and do, extend our reach to one another. Show us how to do that day by day. Because you know how we can be a thick-headed people, easily distracted, unable, or sometimes unwilling to look and turn and go where you call. Make it clear to us, we pray. Make us to love in tangible ways. Grant companions for all on difficult journeys, those with the grace and insight to point beyond themselves back to you. In a world so alive, so full of celebration, you see our own hearts burdened. And so in the silence now, we pray for ourselves and those we love. Lord, gather these prayers, the spoken, the unspoken, and so much more, as we pray the prayer that you asked us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.